Hello and welcome to the Unpretty Podcast. I'm Basma and this is Chi. We want to explore the world of beauty through the experiences and stories of people of colour. In each episode, we will unpack different themes and topics, along with the help of some friends, experts and people we just really love. We've got lots to say, lots to learn and we're here to do that with you. So let's get to it. Okay, we're back. Hey, Bas. Hey, how are you? I am good. I'm... Uh, well, I'm fucking hot waiting for this storm to come. <laughs> Listen, we will complain when the storm comes. I bet you we will. So let's just soak up the humidity like one more hour at a time. <laughs> I mean, soak up is the optimum word here. <laughs> Ugh. I know, I'm sweating. I'm sweating while I'm talking to you. I'm just trying to be polite about it. <laughs> You've been really busy, haven't you? Yeah, I've been busy directing two short docs, which I'm really excited about. But it is like I don't know why. Like I say, I don't know why we didn't plan to be filming outside, adhering to COVID distancing because we had to film everything outside in 33 to 36 degree heat for six days on the trot. So we never oh. get sun. There's never sun. But you know what? I feel like God said to me, "Listen, you wanted these jobs, so." <laughs> Enjoy. Take all cost. Yeah. Speaking of filming during COVID, have you been watching Unsaid Stories on ITV? I actually, I really wish you hadn't have asked me this. Last night, that was on my that was on my list to do, but I came home from filming and I was just like, I can't, I can't consume any more stuff about other people today, so I didn't watch oh. it. But I w- now I feel like I should have watched it. Oh yeah. my god, it's so good. It? I think the second episode was my favorite one it was about this middle class black girl who had a white boyfriend and they'd broken up and she just basically talks about her experiences as a privileged black person and how Mm. that gets perceived within you know the white community and I I don't know I was watching it and I was just like oh my god I can relate to so much of this stuff that she's saying Uh, okay I'll watch it tonight and then we can rehash it out yeah for sure. Anyway, should we get into this episode? Because I'm actually really excited to talk to these guys. I think this is going to be a really fun, just interesting episode because we've always talked about wanting to talk to people and their experiences when it comes to their actual race and their identity. So I'm quite excited. Yeah. I think the subject of being mixed race has come up so many times in most of our episodes that we've done. So I was really interested to speak to both of our guests about their experiences and also just the idea of this weird monolithic definition of what being mixed race is and unpacking that. Yeah, and is mixed race what you should be calling someone? Do they want to be called mixed race? How do they feel about that title? It's such a weird title to have. Yeah. Before we start, just to warn everyone that this is the first time in this our ninth episode Mm. where an expletive racial term is used. Um, I'm just going to say it's the N word. We didn't choose to leave this in. It wasn't an easy decision, but um, we felt like it was a really important thing for us to do to leave it in as part of the conversation, the story. So sorry if you're offended. We're generally offended by the word, but in this context, we had to allow it. Yeah, 100% agree with you. And with that, let's introduce our guests. So we have Louis Robinson. Louis Robinson is a singer, songwriter and actor based in London. Louis is heavily influenced by the sounds of the 70s and 80s that he heard through his childhood on his mum's vinyl player. And not just that, Louis has also been acting from a young age and was nominated for Best Supporting Actor at the British Independent Film Award for his role in Dirty God, which premiered at 2019 Sundance 
Film Fest. And our next guest is Jasmine Muller. You might know Jasmine from her work on Kyra TV's popular Neva YouTube channel, exploring fashion, beauty, and lifestyle themes from around the world. Jasmine is now a content creator and presenter and has worked with brands such as Calvin Klein, Converse, and Rimmel London. Amazing. Let's get into it. To start off the very first question, how do you identify yourself ethnically? Yeah, it's always been a really tricky one for me. (laughs) I mean, I would say that I feel like I'm mainly Indian, Danish, but like British. Okay. But it's a bit complicated for me because I grew up in the UAE. I was born and raised in Dubai. My mother is brown, so she's Indian Iranian. And then my father's white. He's Danish American. So it's like super complicated. Wow massive mix of all these different cultures and it's like super beautiful but can also be very like confusing for my identity but recently I feel like I've really come to terms with like my Indian heritage and like really come close to that and really try to like get close to my grandmother and understand like her stories and I've always visited Denmark since I was young so I feel like those are the two that I bounce off the most. I kind of love that you've picked like two out of the four be like I'm gonna <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you mentioned there were like six there there's UAE there's yeah. um Danish American yeah. Ar- Indian Iranian Iranian, Iranian British 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 yeah yeah oh. yeah women of the wow. world Jasmine women of the world yeah. <laughs> and Bluey what about you so I'm my mom's Swedish and my dad's from Trinidad I was born in Sweden so when I was younger, I always used to say I was Swedish, mm. just to annoy my friends <laughs> at school and stuff. Well, um, <laughs> I grew up, I grew up in London, like all over London. My mum raised me to be to see myself as black. Okay. So, okay. Even though I I knew I was mixed race, my mum was very much she's Swedish, and she just wanted me to and my sisters to be proud of being black and not feel ashamed or not feel because we have like some racist people in our family and this kind of stuff in Sweden. So she was very, she's a very like. She go to marches and riots and had to fight the police and fascists in Sweden when she was a teenager. Wow. She's that kind. That's she's so that. She wanted us. She wanted us to be really proud and feel, you know, proud to be black and not feel ashamed or anything like that, you know. So that's kind of how I felt yeah. when I was younger. And then it was only kind of when I got a bit older when black people started to tell me that I wasn't black. Mm. When I started to mm. question, oh, okay, and it hurt me a little bit, you know. I was like, oh, okay, I'm not. But I am black, and I'll be like, oh, well, Bob Marley's black, it? Mm. and he has a white dad. You know what I mean? I'm like, oh, Malcolm X. You know, he's he's got white. I think his mum's mixed race or something as well. So, I know it was only when I got a little bit older that I started kind of looking at my identity and ethnically and culturally, figuring out where I fit in this conversation. That's yeah, quite so. interesting. Yeah. You say about your mum being the one who sort of made sure that you knew that you were black. How did how did your dad manage it? Well, my dad, like typical story, my dad left when I was, when we were young, you know, so he was in our lives maybe till about, maybe he left when I was like four, then was kind of in between to about seven. And then mm. he just left for like, you know, for like probably seven years, something like that. Mm-hmm. So he didn't really have much input, really much say in kind of how he was raised. It was like a single mum household sort of thing. That's so amazing that your mum, you know, she is so pivotal in you identifying as being black, despite the fact that your black parent essentially wasn't there. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, My Swedish mum. Swedish mum. Yeah, I feel like there's a lot to to learn from that for like mothers who are raising black children and like how active they have to be in that. I feel like that's like really mm. special. Yeah, she didn't kind of put 
brush race under the rug and you know we're all the same that she 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 wanted us to be proud and understand and know you know our history I mean I've never actually been to Trinidad because that's my dad's side you know but um she mm. just wanted us to feel proud and feel you know that we're not less than mm. yeah, yeah. I don't know if anyone has watched I know Baz you've watched it the channel four documentary two-parter about the school that tried to get rid of racism yes the school that tried to end racism yeah 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 I saw, the, I saw the trailer for it but I, didn't, I haven't watched it oh it's so good you have to watch it there's a little girl and her mum is white and her dad is Sri Lankan. Sri Lankan but they had never had a conversation in their home about race so she was bless her this poor 11 year old girl had this like full-on identity crisis mm. in front of the entire oh, nation wow but she came through it was yeah, amazing <laughs> but it's, it's so interesting especially whenever you hear of instances of where a mixed-race child has a white mother often that's more likely where you see it that they don't necessarily identify with the other side of their mm. ethnicity mm. especially when the other side isn't really around and they're not exposed to that culture through you know mm-hmm. their dad essentially but yeah your mum sounds amazing okay. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Jasmine, can I ask for you how did your parents navigate all the different cultures because they both had their mixes of their own how did they manage to sort of yeah. teach you that? Yeah, it was it was honestly so so interesting because my dad is obviously Christian and then my mother comes from like Muslim backgrounds. So when they married in the UAE, my dad had to become Muslim to be able to marry her. So it was like wow. it was always like this open conversation that was like I'm both of these things and it's my choice and like because I grew up in the UAE, I had to do like Islamic studies. So that was like a really big part of my culture. My mother like would always cook Indian foods and my dad would like, like always make Danish foods and it was really mixed. But then this in the same way, my parents divorced when I was six and I lived with my mom and my little sister. And then my mom really like took control and like she had the reins. And But even then, I think personally for me, I really like suppressed that part of myself. I felt like it was quite... I, I hate to say it, but I felt really embarrassed of it, especially because like I went to an international school with lots of white kids and, and because I was like British, I was like, yeah, like I'm Danish and I'm British and I'm American and I would never talk about my mom's side. I feel like that was a personal a personal choice as I got older that I wanted to understand it. And then I spoke to my mom and yeah. It's kind of mm-hmm. actually super interesting that like even though you were raised by your mom primarily, that you almost rejected that side of it and wanted to fit yeah, into no. the white side. Yeah, I mean, it was hard, but also, like, like my dad comes from a very, I guess, a very, like, privileged background, like, a very, they became a very comfortable family in Denmark, and, like, also raised by a single mother, but still, they were very comfortable and well-off, and all, like, very well-educated, and then my mother comes from, like, a very difficult background, where she she was born in Africa, her mother was born in Africa, they came here in the war as refugees, and I always felt like that was, like, it made me feel like, oh, we're less than, we're, like, almost, we're, like, we're too like bottom of the barrel. And also in Dubai, where like you go to school with these honestly like super elite kids who were so privileged and so lucky. I felt like I really wanted to fit in. And and then as I got older, it was a lot of shame and I felt really bad about pushing that part of me away. And I'm still learning how to accept that part of myself, but I feel like it's so beautiful and I don't want to like push that story aside anymore. Like it's such a unique part of like my family, so. Jasmine, do you have siblings? Yeah, I have one younger sister. So were you able to sort of like share that experience with her? Do you watch her go through it or? 
Yeah, I mean, my sister, she was born a lot more fair than I was as well. So, like, she really, like, got away with being, like, white at school. And she would, like, kind of sit out of the sun a lot. And, like, she's not like that anymore. So I think she kind of also went through that process, but on her own and after I did. And it's just interesting to see because even now, I guess, in a way, it's like she still feels... For example, like, if I do henna or something, Bella sometimes is a bit like... My sister Bella, she's like oh, I don't know if I should put some on because I don't want people to feel, like, triggered by me. And it's, like, she definitely is, like, lighter lighter skinned than I am and lighter skinned than my mother and my grandma. And so she still doesn't know if she, like, crosses any lines when she does things. And I'm always, like, Oh, that's interesting. Your sister's worried that because she's white appearing that she might offend people who are actually, you know, South Asian, like, obviously South Asian. That's, that's yeah, yeah, really yeah. No, yeah, and I think she like you know she still doesn't let that control the fact that she wants to I don't know wear certain pieces of jewelry or put a bindi on or do her henna. She still will do it, but I can see that she's a lot more cautious and she'll she'll always sort of like ask a few questions before she does it. And I also kind of understand that because my grandmother, for example, is extremely dark and she's like very she's a very dark South Asian person, and so my sister probably like just feels like oh I. I could never understand how hard that is in the same way I could never understand a black person's struggles. I don't know if that compares, but yeah. Yeah, that makes me think of the thing that you said, Louis, as you were growing up, it was black people that essentially told you that you weren't black, which is something that we hear quite a lot. Like Kadine, who is part of our podcast, she is, I mean, she identifies as being black, but she has a lot of mixed heritage. And she very interestingly says that, you know, white people will accept her as being black but it's often when she's talking to the black community like I remember the first time I met her I just assumed that she was mixed race mm. I mean I'm, I would never say you're not black but I would just assume that someone is mixed race that's why we ask the question how do you identify yourself because mm. we all have to own our own identity rather than yeah. us say you know you are of mixed heritage the title mixed race I don't know there's something about it which is a bit like Ugh, like why do I like why am I a group like that how do you guys feel mm. about that label I mean I guess out of the other options that were there <laughs> <laughs> like, in the past, like when, when I was really young I used to hear half cast a lot mm. yeah um, and then yeah and I you know I didn't know what it meant I just thought yeah I'm half cast you know until my mom was like you're not half cast don't call yourself half cast mm. but, you know and then I was like okay mixed race or biracial those were the terms that everyone was like in agreement, okay, that's a fair, you know. And most of the time, people assume it's a black parent, white parent, when mm. that's been your your mixed race. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And it's like we yeah. can't, it's so vague and so broad that I don't know. Yeah. It, you can't really pinpoint any kind of uh, type of people within that bracket other than your mixed. Yeah. Like, what yeah. does that even mean? I was filling out something online to do with like I was like entering back in the country, and you have to like identify your ethnicity, and those are like the options. It's like mixed race. Um, Asian and white, mixed race, black and white, and then it's like Asian, and then it's like white, I think. But then there's some, oh no, and then there's like Arab. It was something like super, <laughs> and I was like, that's so strange that there's like six options. I feel like we live in a world where there is like hundreds, mm. and I, I don't know if you can like yeah. narrow it down to just that. I also mm. feel like yeah. in, in within that, I also think people really fetishize that now, and I think especially with like, I don't know how you feel about it, but I feel like with black and white, 
people like really fetishize over that and say, oh, I want mixed race babies. Like I love like mm. light skinned babies with gold hair. And it's just, I feel like that's starting to become a bit problematic now. And it's annoying yeah. that that has to become problematic. Like why are we making that problematic? Because it doesn't have to be something that you have to find super um, ideal in a baby. Like, I don't know. It's just, I think it's a lot. Um, yeah, it's really weird isn't it it's almost like an, a desired accessory isn't it a mixed race baby yeah I definitely heard a lot of it um in college and like even really? in various workplaces I hear like white girls saying oh I'd love to have a mixed race baby and you're just like are you okay like hmm. like is yeah that's ethic, what you, you think that's child. okay yeah wow. or like making references to procreating with my brothers because obviously I've got some yeah Black, but I'm like, that's really gross, and like, you shouldn't have children. <laughs> and I also feel like I feel like that also, in a way, you perpetuate like this whole thing with like colorism and like how lighter skinned black people are supposed to be more beautiful than a darker skinned mm. black person or a lighter skinned Indian person is more beautiful than a, like that. You you, it's such a toxic thing to to perpetuate basically. And I feel like that's where that's going. That conversation and, and yeah, it creates know. a lot a bit, more. Um separatism mm. between people of color in a sense where you you it's almost like people assume maybe because I'm light skinned that you know life must be easier you know and so then people have a resentment towards I've seen it now mm. my friends in the show and she's mixed race she's light skinned and she's the amount of comments she gets about oh the why is the light skinned one got to be the da 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 or why is the light one yeah. yellow and she's like wow only because she's in the show now she's getting tweet tweets and instagram comments she's seeing people from all over the world with that kind of opinion, that kind of view. Yeah. She's like, and now she's thinking about when she was in school and stuff and some of the girls didn't like her because she had maybe softer hair, fair hair, and they would be mean to her about yeah. it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And she's, and so they kind of like, it. it's like it works back on itself, if you get what I mean. It totally, yeah. it totally yeah. works back on itself. Like I'm, I'm Sudanese fully, both my parents are, but I'm Sudanese people because we aren't African or Arab. And I think a lot of people, I don't look Sudanese. So a lot of people will think I'm Eritrean or Ethiopian or whatever country, according to what makeup I have, whether it's Sri Lankan or Mauritian sometimes. And I even by the mm. black community, they'll be like, well, you don't struggle as much because you aren't really black. I'm like, well, I, I'm definitely from Africa. So it's mm. really tricky to have that conversation about what is truly black. What does that yeah. statement mean? Is that a color thing? Is it genetic? Is it like what? What does that whole statement mean of what is truly black? So it is interesting when people sort of yeah, as you say, work back on you and sort of like look at you and be like, well, you get a you get a better experience at life yeah. than me, and you're like, well, yeah. it's not really my fault that I <laughs> oh, I don't really through this. In some cases, I can probably I probably agree that uh, there may there might be some benefits in some people's eyes that to being light-skinned you might get a pass for some certain things i'm not sure I'm, i only live my experience so it's hard to to mm. judge but i know that if a policeman is chasing after me or is being you know abusive he's not 50 percent less racist to me or, or a person who hates black people it doesn't hate me half as much mm. do you get me yeah, yeah. i'm not gonna get strangled 50 yeah. percent less than a black person you, mm. you get what i'm saying so mm. it's like yeah now i'm like i feel like okay my struggle isn't valid now because i am light-skinned therefore i should just be quiet you know mm. it does make it a little bit yeah a little bit difficult sometimes to have the conversations so then that's quite interesting. No, yeah. the black lives movement that happened jasmine especially for you actually when that everything kicked off a few months ago how did you feel as a 
women of mixed race heritage and also technically yes no you're not black but yes no you're a different color like when that whole surgence happened how do you feel yeah okay no I mean it was like two feelings wasn't it it was like so angry and upset um and like frustrated on behalf of that community but also it gave me a lot of um it gave me a lot of hope in like the generation we're a part of because how all of these different cultures and ethnicities and races came together to have one message which was that we all stand in solidarity with the black community i i was just like you know i wanted to play as active as a role as i could and really like um help push that message and show my solidarity with that community but also um i really don't want to like detract and make it you know about me or my struggles because i don't think you know i could never understand but i will try my best to and i would always try my best to show my support and in terms of like my group of friends we contacted my old school which was an international school based in dubai and they were really you know they had all of these amazing cultures and races within the school but they were really not doing a great job of including everyone and making sure that everyone was had the equipment and the tools to best understand each other and that was really I feel like that created a really toxic environment and was a massive role in why I suppressed my you know my brownness and so I can't imagine what it did for the few black students that we had and so we contacted my school and we spoke to them and we ended up setting up a few meetings where we were trying to encourage them to be more inclusive and evaluate their whole structure around including the black students, the brown students, the white students, the asian students all together and it was a hard conversation to have and on the call it was um myself, an asian friend of mine, an arab friend of mine and then a black friend and we all kind of gave our different perspectives on it and i feel like that was like a microcosm of like the world and society and it was just really mm. interesting but even when we went on the call when we got on the call this is just like kind of this is like what i feel like personifies everything was it was three white men and four mm. sort of bame women so mm. it was like mm. interesting mm. <laughs> and what about you bluey i'm actually thinking back to was it our third episode when we had jade pierce yeah. on as our guest and we talked quite extensively about her experiences as a mixed race but black identifying woman in the public eye and speaking you know Jade is very open and vocal about her feelings about black lives matter and racial equality she regularly received backlash on twitter and on instagram whenever she did that because people thought from her followers because people thought it was inauthentic both white followers and black followers is that something that you have experienced as a mixed race person um no i haven't haven't as in people thinking that my support for black lives matter is inauthentic because i'm mixed race or that i'm just jumping on a bandwagon or something like that yeah 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 that's what yeah. it's wild but that's what jade personally experienced <laughs> it's in, i mean twitter is a toxic so many different, place it is it's because like people are it's people's assumptions you know and people filling in the gaps thinking that they know you based off their own preconceptions you know what I mean and then projecting mm. that onto you but no I haven't really had much back I mean I have had people saying because you know you have like in America you have a lot of like conservative people and people who like just think Black Lives Matter they've managed to trick themselves into believing that it's that it doesn't exist that there's no racial inequality that there's no um oppression or white supremacy I don't know Fox News probably, but um, so I, so I got a few I got a few comments <laughs> from people saying you know basically fighting for 
what they believe is, you know, white people's rights and this kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, I haven't had any backlash from, from people thinking that it's inauthentic or something like that. Like I support the movement, you know, I support the raising of, of awareness and it is nice to see a new younger generation who seem to, yeah. like I feel like white people are pissed off. Like I feel like white people yeah, yeah. Are, are like, I don't want to say ashamed, but in a sense, yeah, they're ashamed of, of their history and how the country got to, how the world has got to where it is. And they're like, no, fuck this, yeah. it's time for change, you know? And then, then the old guard did the, 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 the status quo as it were. They don't want to change. They don't want to lose power. They they never do. So they're gonna try and find any kind of excuse or any kind of little way to uh, discredit the movement, you know. But uh, no, yeah, I'm, I'm wondering because what you were saying about how you had like part of your Swedish family that didn't understand like sort of your black side. Have you have you spoken to them recently or? Well, has it, I wouldn't. Not I wouldn't there? say. I wouldn't say they didn't. They didn't. They didn't understand. It, what? It's the thing is when I'm in Sweden, I'm the black. We are the black kids of the family yeah, do you know what I mean right. so when like my grandma went this is you know a couple of years ago but when friends would come around be like, they would say who everyone is okay and the black one that girl there the brown girl the black girl mm-hmm. it's like because we're amongst only white people we're the black ones you know but mm. when I come here it's like I'm, I'm not a mixed race one but um I haven't really spoken to no. the Swedish side about it so much it's funny the family who are my family by marriage are the ones I'm close to more in a sense mm. um, like my cousins and my uncles like my mom's stepbrothers essentially but her real life uncles and stuff like they called her like nigger lover and this kind of stuff as she was oh growing God. up so God. i don't really have much time to try and educate them you know i'm not i'm not trying like a lot of time i'm like you know no, what? that's you, not that's you not your job in it and it's like you're, yeah. you're fucking your wave yeah. like oh fuck it like you know what i mean i'm onto the, the new the next wave you know i can't be here trying yeah. to fight it's a battle so 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 wild also we have never had that word said on the podcast i have to say yeah, that's so, yeah. oh, no no i'm just like are we gonna keep it in are we gonna oh, believe that deep. we'll keep it in no no we'll keep and it in. word we'll keep lover it. doesn't really have the same like you know what i mean it's that like, you don't get how how horrible the word really exactly. is exactly it's you know, a horrible word yeah and i don't even say that like some of my friends say it just in casual and i'm like oh god it just it does it just don't, don't ring nice to my ears yeah even on a friendly no. tip you know i don't i never use that None of us are London born and bred. Uh, we've all uh, been born somewhere else or grown up somewhere else. I grew up in Northern Ireland, hence the accent. But I, yeah, I grew up in a very, <laughs> very uh, completely white experience. Um, and then I moved to Scotland and it was the same. And then before I moved to London about eight years ago. But when I moved to London, I feel like I found my footing a little bit because I was able mm. to sort of, you know, see other people around me that sort of looked like me and didn't look like me. And there was just lots of d- different ethnicities. You guys, as young people moving into London, as you know, you weren't babies in a sense, but you know, you kind of were aware of the world a little bit. Did moving to London help with your identity and sort of help you sort of find your feet a little bit? Living in the UAE in like a Muslim country, it's really difficult to be able to be outspoken and almost be like it shouldn't be, but it's almost like when you're talking about these things, it becomes political and you can't really cross those lines and you have to be very like respectful of the society that you live in. So moving to London, like just seeing how people were so outspoken and if they were angry, you knew it, people were protesting, people would, you know, so proudly wear like their clothes or their makeup or whatever it was. I felt like that really encouraged me to be like, okay, Jasmine, fix up now. Like, do your research, learn. Yeah, moving to London, I think, just, like, changed me. It matured me so fast, and it was a big wake-up call for me. I, I was, like, three months old when I came to London. Oh, were you? Baby. Yeah, so, yeah, my parents met over here, and then had me over there, and then moved straight back. So, and I grew up in Hackney, mm. so... Oh, 
I grew up just lucky every you. Race. Yeah. yeah, like I grew up like I had no issues about different races or like you know I had all kind of friends: Turkish, Indian, Black, White, whatever. You know, um, I'm it, was, that. yeah, I get that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's all I've really known, you know. So sometimes it's still a bit of an eye opener when I hear people who grew up in different areas and they have these these kind of I don't want to say warped, but like, different perspective and perception of what life is like in a multicultural society. You know, mm-hmm. some people think oh, it can never work and whatever. And then only when I moved like to Southeast, a lot more like South, South, where I'd say it, it, it seemed like cultures were still a little bit more separate. Mm. So, like you had like mm. the working class white lot whose dad went to the same school and then their dad and like, they don't really, they just grow up in the area, innit? And that's it. And then you had like a lot of gypsy travelers, Romani gypsies. And then you had like a big Somalian community, then like an African community. And everyone at that point, nobody, it wasn't really as mixed as, as Hackney was. And I was like, okay, well, it was a bit of a, bit of a shock because I had dreadlocks as well and it was like I used to wear a hat um like a beret sort of thing to school and then some of the kids would chase me and pull off my hat and like it's like people just didn't understand like I I don't even don't know if they ever ever met a person with dreadlocks before you know so it was just like it was a weird little um um it's different now but it was just a a weird transition at the time Mm -hmm. it is really interesting the people that you um I mean my experience I grew up in Yorkshire which is why I sound the way that I do. <laughs> there were barely any black people around where I grew up, but I had lots of South Asian people mm-hmm. in my school. So I similarly grew up in a very multicultural society, but just with barely any black people. And coming to London, weirdly, I think because I was so used to being, like my life almost got whiter the older I got. So when I got to college, it got even whiter and I had more black friends, but less brown friends. Um, or I was still friends with my friends from school, but they weren't in my life as much and then I went to university and it was very very white and then I started working in the fashion industry and that was even more white (laughs) and it wasn't until it literally wasn't until I met Kadine that I properly like I had black friends but like I hadn't ever even thought about like I just didn't really talk about being black ever until like four years ago oh really Um, wow yeah it was, I mean, it's, it's funny that you say that. Yeah. Like, I don't think I talked about being black until Black Lives Matter just happened. Really? Okay. Wow. Like, we yeah. all, I think me and she both worked in the fashion industry. She still does. And I kind of do and don't. And being in such a white working environment, you sort of all have those niggling, like, mm, did you, didn't you just hear my ear? Did you just see that? But no one really <laughs> ever shares the experience out loud. And then, when Black Lives Matter happened, all of us just had these like floodgates of feelings that we've all kept for like 10 years. Um, oh my God, the stories. Yeah, we're all like crying all the time. <laughs> like crying for like two <laughs> wow. I never thought of it from Bluey's point of view of like growing up in a very mixed environment and then going to a white environment because I've always, always only heard it from like, I guess me, Jasmine and your cheese's point of view. But it's just interesting to hear mm-hmm. Bluey's kind of like, that you thought it was really weird that people weren't around lots of different types of people. Yeah, and yeah. Were you around loads of white people, Bluey, as well? Like, was it mixed in that, or was it just mainly non-white people? In when when I moved. No, in Hackney. Oh, yeah. It was just a mixture. It was just like everything. Yeah, literally, like the neighbours below me were white, that working class white people. I lived in a council estate in Manor House. And then the neighbors above me were black. And then my, my friends down to the right, he was Turkish. 
you know and it was just like there is a bit of like a proper union i guess when people are if you're all in a working class type of environment and you're all different races cultures i don't think you really think about that stuff as much you're all just you live on the same block you all know each other you know the crazy yeah. people upstairs and like the drug addicts and the other block and it's just you just kind of don't at least when it's i was community. young yeah it's a community you know and I, I and especially in the hackney like there's not really there wasn't you know no racism and that kind of thing i was obviously young so that was way so my, I, I won't think about that stuff anyway but mm. yeah only when yeah. i moved to south was it a lot more white people where there was even there was like a gang called ra who were like they were either called red alert or racist attack and they used to come from that oh. like the <laughs> kent kent sides uh Irith or wherever and there was this under oh 18s God. like an under 18s rave we used to go to and then one time they all came about 40 of them and they were all hiding in the what? trees and as soon as we all came out they all started attacking everyone <gasps> throwing bricks at people and, that. and it was a regular occurrence you know like then 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 all the other ethnic groups in a sense all kind of bonded together even the little gangs and stuff we had beef with each other it was all kind of like mm. okay and then like, one time I was going to my friend's studio and he lived a little bit out them ways and we walk in me and him and then we see that just a bag of white boys in the, in like the park about 15 20 something like that and then he starts saying go back to your country it's like throwing stones at oh us God, and rocks and please. then he started chasing us and we just running 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 and got into his, his studio and then we made a song and whatever it's fine Louis, as a musician and a actor, does your mixed heritage or your blended heritage influence the work that you do? So, like, do you write about it in your music or do, do you find inspirations from, like, R&B versus, I don't know what, traditional I mean, Swedish music? Boy, I, neither do I. <laughs> um, a bit of ABBA. You know, I love a bit of ABBA, but... Uh... Uh, yeah. <laughs> Um, you know what I, I I loved soul and Motown when I was really young I just for some reason like my mom used to play a lot of Bob Marley and stuff so I, I listened to a lot of reggae but kind of by force I I just naturally was drawn towards like Motown swing soul R&B music so Stevie Wonder Marvin Gaye like Jackson 5 that was kind of my my bag and it's still in me like, I probably class myself as a soul singer so that's in me always you know when I was young basically yeah the music just made me feel good. Like, I didn't think about stuff. I used to be dancing in my room, putting on a little show for my sister, you know, and like, yeah. it just made me happy. So when I started doing music, I just kind of wanted to make up-tempo, funky, good vibey music that just made me feel good when I was young. Only in the last couple of years, I suppose, have I started maybe writing a bit more honestly and deeply about, you know, real life growing up, um, race and culture and this kind of thing. But it's a lot of the time, I guess, you don't really hear a song about it and think, okay, that's a single, that's a smash, you know what uh, I mean? Go and put mm. it out, so. But yeah, it has has influenced my work yeah. a lot more now. I feel like Stormzy gets some hits out that are to do with, like... Yeah. You know, some real shit. Yeah, yeah. But, he, but he, had to, he had to get to a point, yeah. in a sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Could, your audience. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not saying True. it can't happen. It definitely can happen. And I respect him a lot, man, because he's... He gets a lot of hate and a lot of slack and that, yeah. but... Um, it's, it's easier once people always say once you get there then you can have the freedom to do what you want that's but true yeah that's... we'd love to talk about your relationships both friendships and romantic relationship we were reading Afua Hirsch's book British I say okay. that we were reading it we've read excerpts from yeah. it. <laughs> okay. read it but it's on both of our reading lists to read all the way but she talks about how the ethnic group that's growing the most in the UK and I think globally is 
mixed race. But she also talks about how most ethnic groups and religious groups and nationalities, they all, they tend to date within their race. But when it comes to being of multiple races, where does that leave you? What's your dating preference? (laughs) (laughs) What's your type? Yeah, what's your type? No, no, no. But it's the question is, do you feel like you're dating outside of your race? In the race conversations, dating is such a big part of it. Mm. How do you guys feel like you fit in that? I'm I'm across the board. I'm, I'm... (laughs) I'm, <laughs> I'm just, ah, I'm not, I'm just, I'm I love all races, all cultures. I'm just, right. yeah, I don't have any, I don't have any religious structure or anything that I need to adhere to. My parent, my mom is not strict on how you should marry this person, that person, I'm sad. I love, mm. I love all people. You just you know? love people. <laughs> way That's out. nice. Basically, I'll just date all, all kind of girls, if you okay. want to call it dating. And I don't have any, I don't really have a preference. Maybe when I was younger, I did. When I was younger, I think I liked white girls when I was in primary school. Same, I, white boys. Because I went out with two white Only when girls. I was younger. Yeah, I went out with two white girls. I went out. There was my girlfriend in primary school, you know, for a couple of weeks. Um, <laughs> but, um, then I mostly had a black girlfriend, two black girlfriends, and then they're mixed race, really. And then, like, other types of mixed race. So it's black and white, and then it's, like, Irish and Thai and like oh all kind yeah. yeah I mean wow. yeah I don't I really mm. I don't I'm just stayed around the world I'm out here man I'm out yeah. here baby. <laughs> yeah you are <laughs> Jasmine what about you yeah I feel like when what you said about when you were younger when I was younger I definitely like again to do with like how I really wanted to be seen as like white and Danish and British I only liked white boys and then after like as I got older I feel like after I got to like 16 I started to really like change and my kind of as I started to learn about cultures and how beautiful all these other cultures were that definitely changed for me but I feel like I would usually go for I guess sort of like Mediterranean um I don't know I, I I'm the same though I like everything but I feel like my most recent partner was Mediterranean so that's why I'm saying that but I mean so what's yeah, that like, like, white, white with a tan them. I like everything White with a tan. White with a tan. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but the thing is, I, I, yeah, but I, I don't really have a preference on the same. Like, I, I mean, I just like my men, like, whoever. <laughs> You're all, they're all beautiful. <laughs> yeah, I think probably because we do come from a mixed background, maybe as well. It's like a lot of time people's parents want them to stay within their culture or, you know, they're right. mm. often if they yeah. come from a different country, if they grew up in London, or UK and it's more they're more used to different cultures and stuff. They're not as scared of it or they're scared of their children being not looking like them or whatever. Or their grandkids, you know. I think we might have a little yeah. bit of freedom in that sense, I assume. True. But I also feel like there's this really toxic thing within um like I don't know if it's in other cultures, but within like South Asian, like within the Indian community and within like Iranian communities and stuff, and like Pakistani. I know that it's like a thing that's like, oh, I can't date him. He's like my brother. Like I could never. Like he feels like he's my brother. Mm. That's like a thing that a lot of like my South Asian friends say, hmm. um, and like my mom, for example. And I feel like for a long time I thought that way because that's what everyone who looked like me would say. So I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah no. Oh my god, no, I could never date him. He would be like my brother. Hmm. And it's so strange because, I mean, I, I don't, I don't think I hear other cultures say that, but for some reason, people that I know from. Indian communities say that 
Um, and so, yeah, I mean, that's a really, I, I feel like I'm still, I've never heard that, like that whole concept. Yeah, it's, like a, it's like a real thing. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we're going to do this on an episode later about fetishization in race, but the two least attractive ethnic groups on dating apps are black women and Asian men. And wow. therefore you saying that your South Asian girlfriends say that, that almost confirms that wow. statistic yeah really. no yeah but it's a real thing for for sure they definitely like i feel like i don't know if that comes from them trying to sort of rebel against this whole like arranged marriage thing that gets put on them from when they're young and so then they start to say like no like i could never be with an indian man because they're trying to rebel against that sort of like tradition and if that's where that comes from but whatever it is it is really toxic and i feel like i'm still unpacking that if i'm being transparent like I'm still trying to like consciously unpack that when I think those things. And I'm like, no, like that doesn't make any sense. So yeah. Mm. Oh. Hmm. It's really interesting. I wouldn't, I, yeah, I've never heard that um, the Asian man thing with being like, oh, like I'm dating my brother. Cause effectively, I guess black people could say the same about yeah, everybody. No, I do think in black communities, like, I mean, my parents, don't really have any say but I know that deep down they would love for me and actually I don't think they would particularly care about me marrying like a Nigerian no sorry a black guy but they would love for me to marry a Igbo Nigerian so like oh, specifically yeah. my tribe mm-hmm. and my country yeah, and I, I think, think they... all, all our parents are the same my dad's kind of like oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. keep it in the tribe Muslim Sudanese guy coming around and I was like Probably <laughs> never, but if you're like, <laughs> like, like you know. yeah, I've got loads of those. Yeah, just lining up outside. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, well, yeah, it comes down to the fetishization thing and the colorism thing because I think when it comes to different races as well, even from the Indian matchmaking show on Netflix, oh, if anyone's yeah. seen that, like that whole thing about no, yeah. being like, well, you know, I prefer lighter people. And I, you know, I don't, yeah. and it's just like for the Asian community, that's super tough. Like in your own I, community. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I only realized recently that um, there's a, that Asian cultures have this, this fair skinned thing. Like yeah. not, I mean, all Asian, yeah, it's and massive. South Asian, East Asian, like it's, it's across the board where they do, they bleach their skin and stuff like that as well. Where I didn't know that was mm-hmm. a part of that kind of culture in, in that part of the world yeah. where they, they aspire in a sense to be more fair skin more lighter skin yeah no definitely yeah it's so big in that's really upsetting yeah <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah Africa is the same especially weirdly um in lighter skin countries maybe in africa like sudan definitely they everyone wants really like, and you should bleaching soap well, yeah, mm-hmm. it's funny because yeah. now now I notice it on people. I never used to notice it before, but now I can. I go, oh, that woman, she you can see by her hands and stuff. Yeah, like that. and I, and I yeah, like yeah. even like no, some of my friends' parents growing up. Mm. Like it's like my friend didn't really. <laughs> we was looking at pictures of um of his of his family this years ago, and his his dad and stuff, and he's like, and they're like we were two girls um that were our friends, and then. They was like, oh, your dad's like, well, he's way more darker here, and he's and he was like, yeah, I don't know, he just got lighter when he moved to this country. <laughs> and then afterwards, they was like, yeah, he was beating. Like, oh snap! Oh my god, yeah. his dad. Yeah, his dad. In the, was that in the UK? Yeah, in the UK. He yeah. Was doing that. Well, Wild. yeah, he's he, he's Congolese, um, but I mean, he was born there and stuff, but then they moved over here, and then 
I just that... don't ever hear of men doing No, it. yeah, that's what I was going to say. Mm, yeah. And also what I find really interesting about the bleaching conversations, how a lot of women will do it until they get married. And then they're like, okay, I'll stop oh, really? this. Yeah. 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 My grandmother um, on my mom's side, she's, she's Gujarati Muslim. And so she was always trying to set like her daughters up with like arranged marriages and things. And I remember like she really, bless her, like she's really trying to learn now and like unpack these things. But at the time she definitely had like a lot of colorism and she really sort of encouraged my mom, who was the darkest of the three sisters, to sort of sit out of the sun and to always try and stay like the fairest that she could. And my sister, for example, how she was born super fair. Like my grandmother's always thought that she's so beautiful. And I feel like it's definitely such a real thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and like the bleaching thing is what's so scary because that's like what like that is that's like this, I mean, you're mutilating yourself almost like you're and it's like you're changing your skin and yeah like when yeah. I, I went to um kenya or something and i just see posters up mm-hmm. on big massive billboards about billboards. lining your skin i'm like yeah. whoa yeah, yeah. that's yeah that's just you know yeah. accepted your relationships with your friends especially i guess jasmine for you i'm assuming you have no friends that are of all the mixes that you are but i was wondering mm. have you ever had conversations with your friends about your race or your ethnicity or your background and how they kind of perceive you I don't know you know I feel like my friends are I mean we definitely always talk about race all the time but I, I don't really think I ever speak about it in terms of um myself and how they view me yeah because I feel like my, like my I mean when my you're younger like at school how I suppose you said yeah. that you kind of like dumbed it down but did did people ever yeah. ask yeah, 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 definitely. No, definitely. I mean, when people ask me and they'd be like, I'd, <laughs> where are you from? And I, I, obviously now I feel so stupid saying that because I'd be like, I'm Danish and I'm British. Like, I'm Danish, I'm American. Or I'm British, I'm American. Like, obviously, like, you look at me and you're like, are you sure? But I still feel like, I don't really know if that's people's places to ask. You know, if somebody says they're from somewhere, I feel like you kind of just leave it at that. I don't think you should interrogate that. You don't know where they stand with it. But people definitely interrogated that with me, especially like, the white students, there was probably like, like in my year group, probably 60% of them were white. And so they would always ask me. And then there was this group of boys that would call me the P word. Um, and I'd be like, no, I'm not even from there. Like, wow. what do you mean? Like, and it, and instead of being offended at the fact that they should, should even feel the capability to be able yeah. to say that word, I was like offended that they viewed me within that caliber, which is so messed up and like, it's like, it's really embarrassing for me to say that, but that is honestly how I felt. And I feel like that was really reinforced by those types of people. But again, one of the things that I think is important is that we were like children, we were young, and it's actually like the adults, the parents, the teachers' responsibilities to like make sure that they fully equip their children to understand and be respectful of these things. And I yeah. mean, I definitely like, I definitely feel like I, d- I got the harsher end of the stick, if that's the phrase, I don't know what the saying, saying is, but mm-hmm. I definitely got it harsher compared to like, you know, my white students and the, and like the white peers and then the black students got it harder than everyone else. Like I remember there was this black boy who was one of my really good friends and he was like the only one in our whole year group at that time. And he would constantly be either fetishized for his hair or told off for it. And one time he was internally suspended for doing like, a, um, I think he did cane rows or box braids or something. 
And yeah, he got internally suspended because there was such a lack of understanding. And obviously like that perpetuated into other communities as well, into like South Asian communities and Asian communities. And, but yeah, I think I just kind of dropped those friends as I got older and I was like, you know what, I'm over that shit. And I, especially with everything when the movement happened and I started seeing those specific friends and those specific people that I knew be so quiet about it. I was like, wow, like it was never, it was never like an underlying common. It was definitely like with malintent and yeah. Just like, yeah, growing up, isn't it? Growing up high school and going up yeah. primary school and the experience. Yeah. And the weird thing is when you're in those settings is you know something doesn't feel right, but you're almost not mm. adult enough or, you know, mature enough at that age to be able to articulate it enough to change anything. So you sort of, yeah, definitely accepting, not. you know, accepting things. No, for happening. sure. I guess, Louis, for you, because you grew up in London and you were in Hackney, you probably had lots of lots of different ethnicities around you, so you probably didn't even need to have the conversation, or did you? Like, did you and your friends when you were younger talk about race, or not really? No, not really, not really. Yeah, not when, we, when, when we were young, young, in primary school, even if my first year was secondary to secondary school, I went to a boys' school in North London, and it's just like, everybody's the man them, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Everyone's man them. Mm-hmm. It's, not a, it's not like separate it's only when I moved like I said down to um like Abbey Wood area where people was a little bit more still in their groups it wasn't as diverse you know um then then the conversation started being being had a bit more then then I started to experience more racism where it's like boys will be driving past in their cars and then just shout out the n-word I'll say the n-word this time <laughs> they'll just shout, at, they'll just shout it out and like and then we, we'd be like you know either we chase them down the road and obviously they're in a car or like just leave it and it's just it's just a normal thing yeah yeah it was only it's only really when yeah. then but then it does it's like obviously i'm mixed in it yeah so but it, it makes you have a bit of a resentment towards those types of white people yeah and you've yeah. got to be careful to not to let that go across the board to just generalize in all people do you know what i mean yeah um, very true we have one <laughs> question that we always ask all our guests question is when did you realize that you were beautiful Oh, cute. <laughs> when did I realize? You know what? I feel like I'm still realizing and I'm still trying to come to terms with that. But I think probably when I was like 20 and I had finished school, I'd done a bit of traveling, I'd met all different types of people, and I felt very like rooted in myself. And, um, just like proud of the person that I was and all the hardships I'd gone through in my life and what I'd accomplished as a woman, as a woman of color. Yeah, I feel like I'm also at my most beautiful when I'm, you know, I've got my henna on, I've got my gold jewelry on, I've maybe got a bindi on, whatever it is. But when I have those little pieces of me on, I'm like, yeah, okay, I feel boss now. So, yeah. Oh, I'm so jealous that you realized when you were 20. Oh my God. <laughs> no, but that's what I said. That's why I started with, I'm still realizing. Okay. I'm fine, still... Fine. <laughs> But I mean, but I didn't want to. I didn't want to be like, yeah. But I feel like at twenties when I probably felt the most like, yeah, the bone skin. At that Bluey, point. when did you realize you were beautiful? It's a tough, tough question to ask. Already, um, beautiful person. I, I try. I try to be. I hope I can aspire to be. Mm-hmm. I think I've I've had my own personal times where I thought I wasn't a good person. Or I thought I wasn't. I think I'm kind and know that, but then sometimes I think I'm not. And then I just reflected on when I was a kid and um, this is really just random, but there was this, uh, it was an Indian dance class that was announced in the school assembly. And then 
it was literally the whole school and it, this woman was there. She said, oh, yeah, we're going to do dance classes at lunchtime. You know, you're all welcome. And then she said, put your hands up. And literally only two girls at the whole school put their hand up. And then I was like, oh, it felt really bad. I was like, you know what? I'll put my hand up as well. I'll do it. I'll give it a go. And then I think, I think. I love that. And then I started doing it and I was like, seeing my friends play football outside in the playground. But, um, and then maybe like a couple of years ago when I, I was just sort of reflect. I mean, I must have been in like a down period, and I was just reflecting. I was like, you know what? That was a nice thing I did in my little kiddie innocence, thinking I don't want her to be up there. No one's tried to join her class. I, I'll join. And I thought, you know what? I'm not bad. I'm, I'm all right. Guy. Aww, <laughs> yeah, that's really sweet. That's nice. That's yeah, nice. That's a good. Story. That's a cool story. Yeah, that's a nice story. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> no, that was a really nice story. <laughs> nice story. Also, I love how you both of Bluey in particular. You were focusing on. Um, your internal beauty rather than your external. I do want to know the external as well. Yeah, yeah I want to know the external. Oh, you want to know the external? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, you know what? That took me. I don't even. I don't think I'm beautiful. What? I don't. I don't think. I don't really think you. I mean, wrong answer. You have to say that you are. Okay, I am beautiful then. All right. Thank um, you. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I I never used to know when girls fancied me and stuff. I was very oblivious to stuff. You know what? I went on a Trey Songs tour. Here we go. I went on a Trey Songs tour and then I noticed how all the girls were screaming at him and how crazy they were. And then I, you know, did my show and they were screaming. And then I got a lot of followers on Instagram and then they were all saying very nice things. I was like, oh, you know what? Maybe I can do this little sexy thing. Oh. Get... <laughs> 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 so it's external validation. Yeah, from Trey Songs fans. <laughs> from Trey Songs fans. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Can you tell everyone on the podcast where they can find you, what your socials are? All right, you can find me on Instagram at Jasmine G. Muller and on YouTube, Jasmine Muller. Oh uh, yeah, on Instagram, I'm Bluey Official and YouTube and Facebook is just Bluey Robinson. Amazing. Hi, Bluey. So what are you going to say? Bluey, you can take it away. You really want me to sing something? Yeah, I really <laughs> do. Do you have a oh, request? Oh, no way. No, I don't have a request. I want you to sing what you think is appropriate for the moment. Sing yeah. whatever comes yeah. to your heart. I want a blue song. All right, I think this is a song called um, I Know. I know it gets hard, think you're losing the fight. And nothing works out, though you know that you tried. Could be spending days alone with no one by your side. Wishing everything would just be alright I tried to put a smile on that pretty face But you just looked right through me Like I weren't here yesterday What am I to do to show that everything's okay? See, I just want to tell you I know It's hurting I know you're trying to work it out, you don't deserve it. But sometimes it's just the way things go, I know. I am obsessed with the fact that we just did that with a musical outro from Bluey. That I know. So dreamy. I was just like, literally, because we've done this all these calls, obviously, via like, zooms or webex whatever and it's just nice watching someone sing to you that's what that was we just watched them sing yeah to us. it was pretty dreamy for sure yeah it was just another first so we've had two firsts in this episode yeah. the first n-word hopefully mm-hmm. the last. and our first live serenade 
Yeah, it was it was a certainly what I really liked about that conversation with Bluey and Jasmine is that like they really did bear their souls and they really did give information that like not just information but they told their personal stories of things that they've encountered and things that they've been through. And I think it was the kind of perfect way to sort of be like, Oh, we've really all shared something. It's amazing how you can kind of get into these conversations and then you're like, Wow, like I feel like I really really took something learned something that. about someone else's experience yeah exactly exactly it was really yeah. lovely it was really nice especially I think a lot of the guests that we've had we almost at least one of us has some kind of shared experience with them whereas mm-hmm. I think both Bluey and Jasmine have very unique experiences versus yeah. like you know ours yeah and also what's nice about that is they have a unique experience also from each other so that is that when we talked at yeah. the beginning, right, about that monolithic title of being mixed race, that doesn't encompass that person's experience of the world because it can actually still be such a different experience from each other. Um, and we always yeah. say that about black people, right? We always say like, well, your black is not my black experience. We're very different black experiences. And it's the same for them. They come from scratch, yeah. different worlds. I suppose it's even more complex for them because they're by being mixed race, which you're right, it is such a weird term to describe yeah. both of them, despite the fact that their ethnic makeup, if you can yeah. call it that, is completely different. Yeah. Like there's no really shared ethnicity there's, between them. No, the there's actually, yeah, there's not, which is actually maybe, yeah, actually, if you think about it, for me and you, we still, the ethnicity is African, whether it's West or East or North, whatever, it's still African. We're still on the mm. one continent. For them, being mixed race doesn't make sense because it, for them both to have that title is tricky because, yeah, they're not on the same ethnic bracket in a sense. So it's something yeah. to think about, actually. I don't know if that title really is a fair position to be put in. But yeah, it was fun. Yeah. And it the ceremony was, was lovely. Thank you, Bluey, for when you do listen to this. Um, I really appreciated it. <laughs> <laughs> and thank you, Bluey and Jasmine, for being so honest. Yeah, actually. and sort of bearing your souls a little bit. It was so nice to hear. And thank you for teaching us and teaching our audience a little bit about your lived experience. All right, should we wrap? Let's wrap. <laughs> wrap it up, I mean, <laughs> do, do a few beats. Yeah, yeah. Okay, until next time, listeners, thank you for joining us. Yeah, thank you. You have been listening to the Unpretty Podcast, hosted by me, Chi Euphodiama. And me, Basma Khalifa. Not forgetting our producers. Shout out to A. Soleil for booking our amazing guests. And Katie Bissett for managing this whole thing. Special thanks to Xenia Gala for our artwork and Enoch Colo for our soundtrack. If you like what you heard and want to hear more, please make sure you subscribe, rate us, and make sure you tell all your friends. And follow us on at Unpretty Podcast on Instagram and Twitter for more updates. Until next time. <laughs>